You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 22 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. If FBT is Australia's most confusing tax legislation, then meal entertainment has to be the most confusing part of the most confusing tax legislation. I asked Claire Thornet of WLF in Hobart whether she could shed some light on meal entertainment for us, and she kindly said yes. So here's Claire. Entertainment, when it comes to fringe benefits, is probably the most complicated area because of the different ways they allow you to value it. So there's a difference between entertainment and meal entertainment. On the face of it, they're kind of the same thing, but meal entertainment is um, a way to specifically value entertainment. They just really should have come up with different words so it would be a bit clearer. So entertainment is anything by way of food, drink or recreation and accommodation and travel to do with providing entertainment. If you take your employees out to dinner or you have drinks in the office, that's going to be considered entertainment. It also includes things where you don't have alcohol or if you take them to a sporting match, that's recreation, so that's going to be entertainment. But entertainment itself is actually not a separate type of benefit, isn't it? Yeah, they define entertainment so you know whether you can use the meal entertainment provision, basically. If an employer gives you drinks on a Friday night and you consume them on the business premises, that's a property benefit. And because a property benefit is just something that you're given that's, you know, it's not an expense benefit because you haven't incurred the cost. If you consume it on the premises, there is a section... 41, yeah, if you, section 41, which exempts the use, but you have to consume it on the business premises on a normal working day. And this is one where people say, oh, that's fine, tick, that's all consumed on the, but then they go and use meal entertainment subdivision to calculate their other entertainment. So you can't do that. You either go, it's an expense payment, it's a property benefit, it's a residual benefit, or it's a meal entertainment. So, The reason why people like to use meal entertainment is because you have that really good concession, concessional method of valuation, the 50-50 method, where you basically add up all of your entertainment provided during the year and you divide it in half and that's its taxable value. But if you're using that concession, you can't also use the property benefit exemption if it's consumed on the premises and you can't use any other, you can't use the minor benefit exemption for Christmas parties outside of the office. So, you know, if you want to get your liability down to as small as possible, it's good to look at all the methods, like get all of the entertainment you provided during the year and see where it was provided, who it was provided to and on a per head basis, how much was provided. Does the software you use show you automatically, okay, if you go for Division 9A, the mean entertainment methods, then it's going to be this, and if you go, it doesn't, you have to kind of work it. No, we don't have, yeah, you have to work it out, and that's where 
you know, people can go wrong because they go, oh, we're just going 50-50 and, but before we go 50-50, we're going to rule out all these items because they were provided on the business premises after work one day. So I think this is the very confusing part is we have, we have 11 boxes of different types of fringe benefits and we can either just put the meal entertainment box aside and not put anything in it and put any entertainment yeah. that has to do with food or drink into the other boxes, especially property like everything else. Or we bring, we bring the box meal entertainment into the, into the game and then we have to put mm -hmm. everything that is somehow related to the consumption of food or drink. That is entertainment. It's anything that's entertainment. So that's why entertainment's defined. But it has to be entertainment in the way of food or drink, doesn't it? Or, or recreation. It could include just if you take them to the movies. That's going to be. But it's not going, yeah, that's entertainment, but it's never meal entertainment. No, but it is entertainment. So you just have to consider. Yeah, but so the tickets to the movies would always go into the property basket. They would never go into the meal, into the meal, into the meal entertainment basket. Unless maybe if the, if the movie trip is, is combined with a restaurant trip, maybe then. Yes. The times when you sort of. You need to know what that is, is if you're not-for-profit and you're using the – there's a $5,000 cap if you're a health benefit, um, health promotion charity or a public benevolent institution, you have a $5,000 cap, and that's on meal entertainment and entertainment facility leasing expenses. So that's where, you know, if you might get a corporate box at a sporting event, it's going to fall under that cap. So yeah, I it, I can see why it does get got, does get really complicated. And I think what you touched on, where many people go wrong, is that if you do bring the meal entertainment box into the game, then you have to put everything in there. Then you can't say actually that that restaurant trip we put into property, but this Christmas party we put into meal entertainment. Then anything that has to do with food or drink or is associated with food or drink or happens on the same night as the food and drink yes. is incurred, then it has to all go into that box. Yeah, it include, and it includes, you know, the taxi down to the restaurant from the business premises as well. So that goes in there, that's not going to be an expense benefit if you're reimbursing employees for the cost of that. If you decide to use the meal entertainment yes. box, yeah. so to otherwise, speak. It, hmm. Otherwise... This is why it's, it's a good idea to look at it all because you, you might be able to, to exempt a lot of it using the minor exemption rule. And also remember that it's only entertainment that you provide to employees. So entertainment is not an income tax deduction normally. So if you take a client out for lunch, you can't deduct that. You can't claim an income tax deduction for that. If you take an employee out to lunch and you pay FBT on the entertainment, then you can deduct it because it's a fringe benefit. If you don't end up having to pay FBT on it because you manage to exempt it by using the minor exemption because it's you know, once off and it was less than $300, then you can't claim the income tax deduction. And I think that's why it is so confusing because, for example, you just mentioned taking a client out for lunch. That, that then falls under income tax. So income tax also has its share to say about entertainment. Yes. If you take a client out for lunch, the, the, the client's lunch clearly falls under the income tax rules, but the food that the employee consumes, would that then fall under FBT or that also goes with income tax? 
It's FPT, so that's where that 50-50 concession comes into play, why it's there. The, the concession is saying we're going to allow you to assume that half of the entertainment you provided was not to employees, so that's why you get to cut it in half. I see. So you would put the entire client lunch into the meal entertainment box yes. and then and then only pay FBT on 50% of it to basically cover yes, the employees. that's meal. right. And it's the same with GST. So you can't claim input tax credits for the provision of any entertainment unless you have to pay fringe benefit tax on that entertainment. Then you can claim input tax credits. So I often just tell clients, not to claim any GST on entertainment and then you can do an adjustment after you've done the FBT return if you're able to claim any back, if you end up having to pay FBT on any entertainment. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think that makes it so incredibly confusing because the income tax yeah. has its thoughts about uh, entertainment and then we have the whole FBT legislation around it as well and they don't they don't really agree with each other do they, they well they don't disagree with each other okay yeah basically if you have to pay fringe benefit tax then you, you can, can tax quite, you can tax deduct it um and that's in that's in the income tax act as, mm. as an exception to the no entertainment deduction rule there's quite there's a you know it's that's a big section that entertainment one so it's in there When you take people out for lunch who are not employees, so, you know, usually it's clients, yeah. you don't have to divide the expense into saying, okay, this is under the income tax rules and this is under FPT. You take the entire expense and put it into the meal entertainment box, yes. apply the 50-50 rule, and then yes. that at least makes it a lot easier that one doesn't have to split the restaurant bill. And yeah, that's why you should keep track of 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 what employees are getting entertainment because if you take if one employee takes six clients out then you'll end up paying fbt on six clients you know three and a half people instead of one so if you work out that you know it's actually better to use the expense benefit calculation rather than meal entertainment because you know most of the time there's less than half uh, are actually employees then that's why you should just keep track of things during the year um, and then just work it out at the end. Like I see. So the employer could decide to actually yeah, you don't have to treat make, the whole lot under the income tax yeah, rules. You, you don't have to keep – you don't have to decide when you're doing it. Just keep good records and then you can look at it at the end of the year or, you know, hand it over to your accountant to look at And, you know, we, we tend to look at both ways when we calculate entertainment. We'll just see which will we'll do the most beneficial way, either the meal entertainment or property and expense ones. If an employee takes six clients out for lunch, is it possible to put the entire expense into income tax and not worry about FBT, even though we have the one employee eating? No. It's all the, if you provide a benefit to an employee, then... The whole expense goes in. No, you only need to do that if you're using the meal entertainment provision. So otherwise you could just use the expense one and because it's going to be less. Because with meal entertainment and expense, the taxable value is basically what you paid, um, including GST. So the value is going to be the same. But if you're taking six clients out instead of one employee then you're going to have a lot more to pay, even if you use that 50-50 concession. So an employer that very often takes clients out for lunch would be much better off not using the meal entertainment box just to allocate restaurant bills to the property uh, property type, and then we would only 
incur FBT on this on the portion that falls onto the employee, but we wouldn't have to pay FBT on the on the client's lunch. Yeah, that's right. Another way you can do it if you do it, if it's quite regular like that is the twelve week register. So it's basically a logbook of you know once a week employee takes six clients out to dinner, then you know it, it keeps a percentage of that entertainment is to employees and you can use that as your taxable value. So you take up all of that amount, so the full dinner amount for the seven people, but only one-seventh related to an employee. So you can use that, but you have to you have to keep a register. Yes. But once you've made that, you can that lasts for five years. It's like a logbook for a car. It lasts five years, but it has to be kept for three months, basically. And then how are the client lunches treated? If I do the 12-week register, I only pay FPT on one-seventh of the restaurant bills. How are the other six meals treated? Well, there's, not, there's no FPT on them because you're using the register. Okay, so they go back into the income tax rules yeah and then you can't yeah claim you can't claim an income tax deduction on that portion okay hmm. but you can on the one seventh yeah yeah but it probably yeah. is better because if you included it in fbt you would pay 47 or 49 percent tax on it yes. whereas if you just forego the income tax deduction you hmm. lose 30 percent yeah if you're a company yeah usually so it's usually much better to put it back into the income tax basket yes yeah yeah generally That's going to be better. It just depends on what type of entity you are. If you're a company, for sure, it's going to be a lot better. Of course, if you're a sole trader, then it might be. It just yeah. depends on your turnover. But usually, it's going to be better. I mean, it's it's not going to be worse. Yeah, yeah because we can't go over forty-seven or forty-nine percent. Because FPT is the highest rate. You mentioned before that it's not just food and drink, but it's also associated travel and accommodation costs. Where does the cutoff happen? So. Travel and accommodation has to be on the same day, or well, that's a, that's a matter for professional judgment. I would say, yeah. so say you're just providing flights to an employee, um, and they go on holiday, and obviously um, having food and drink, but the flights are really the flights are the main thing, and the food and drink is the just, flights are the main benefit, yeah. and the other stuff the employee gets themselves but if you if you were to give them a complete holiday package that included food and drink and accommodation and, and travel including flights then that um would probably be meal entertainment meal entertainment yeah because it's traveling connection to the you know provision of food and drink if it was a package to go and eat at spice temple in in, in melbourne and meet near perry or so then that would probably fall under the entertainment. Mm. I would say so. Yeah, that would that's what I would advise. Yeah, you you really have to there isn't there is no um you know hard and fast answers for these things. You really need to look on it on a case by case basis and that's what the ATO would do. And they would look on you know the balance of things, what whether it was entertainment. If it is meal entertainment, you can use the 50-50 split method where um, all entertainment provided to employees and clients is included and it's split on a 50-50 debt straight down the line. So if you... If you're providing some, if, you, if you're providing entertainment to just basically employees and maybe if, you know, 10% to clients, that's a really beneficial way of calculating it because you're going to You're going to, you know, you're not going to be paying FBT on some provision of benefits to employees. If you 
doing more clients, say, the other way, so 90% clients, 10% employees, then it's a good idea to use the 12-week register method. I don't have a lot of clients that use that method. Yeah, I get the impression that 12-week register is not often used. Talking to a couple of tax specialists and they all said that they've never seen the 12-week register method. No, I, I've seen it once. I've got one client that uses it. And have you ever seen anybody use the actual expenditure method with mean entertainment? Sometimes. I can imagine it defeats the purpose. If you go for meal entertainment, then the reason is because you want the 50-50 split method. Yeah. Whereas if you go for actual expenditure, you might as well leave everything in, in the other baskets and use the, use the otherwise deductible rule, etc. Yeah, well, it's good if you want to use the Section 41 property one because you can use it when you use the actual method. Okay, because when you use the 50-50, you don't get the Section 41 no. exemption, yeah. whereas when you use the actual method, you do. Mm. But you don't have to classify it as meal entertainment to get the Section 41 no. exemption. You can leave it in property and still get the Section 41 exemption. Yes. Yeah. So you might find that you can provide quite a lot of entertainment to employees if you're doing, you know, every week you're doing drinks after work on a Friday night. And then once a year, you're doing the Christmas dinner party or lunch. And if that's under $300 a head, then you can use that minor benefit exemption because it's a one-off thing. And then you're not having to pay a 50 on any, on any entertainment. So that's why it is, it is a really good idea just to keep records of exactly what's going on and don't just have, you know, don't just have your one account, um, that just says entertainment. Just keep a se keep separate records or narrate narrate it very well so you can go back and look. And so basically, have all possible options in mind and check that. Yeah, we certainly look. We we always look at well, not with the twelve week register because unless you have that, you can't use it. But we look at both the actual and the fifty fifty to see what's going to be more beneficial because yeah, quite often things are just provided in house just on the business premises after work. But if you're going to the pub next door, that's different and you're probably going to be using the 50-50 method. The living away from home allowance, it used to be more common because it wasn't so strict and you could basically um, send your employee off and they'd be working into stage and you could pay for their housing expenses for the entire time, not pay any fringe benefit tax on it. These days, if you're not flying fly out or driving drive out, then you're basically going to have to pay fringe benefit tax on it. Have they changed the rules? Yeah, so... They made it stricter. Um, they made it stricter because I think people were rotting it a little bit. Yeah, maybe it was too common. But I thought the living away from home allowance was still... People still use it, absolutely. It's still there. Like you can still, you can still redu reduce it. A living away from home allowance is, it's defined as being paid to an employee who has temporarily gone somewhere else away from their normal residence. So they have to still maintain their normal residence. They can't let it out. So if they're letting out their residence on Airbnb, then you, then you can't use the concessions found in the living away from home allowance. But say you send your employee to interstate for six months and you put them up in a hotel or a flat or something, that's when it would apply if they keep their, their residence. And it's limited to six months. Is it six or is it 12 months? I thought it was 12 months. Yes, and you're right. It is 12 months. So it is 12 months? Yeah. Mm. So it is 12 months. So it has to be 12 months or less and it's a one-off thing. They can't just come back and then go and do it again. 
few weeks later. And it is a pretty rare one. And you have sort of two components of it. There's the food component and the accommodation component. So the reductions in the taxable value, if you meet the definition of a living away from home allowance, which is kind of strict, and yeah, because it has that um, time limit on it, you can't just send them away forever. So you have the two components, the accommodation. So that's exempt. So pretty much whatever you pay for accommodation is going to be exempt and the food component, and that's the statutory amount. And it's not very big. It just depends on your age and if, you, if you've if you got your family with you, then part of that can be exempt as well. So, Yeah, so the statutory food demand is not exempt. No. And so employers tend to just pay the excess over the statutory food component? Yes, yeah. I think it's about $42 a day, something like that. Yes, it is. Yeah, $42 a day. So for an adult and 21 for a child under 12. Okay, so anything... To be precise. <laughs> well done. So anything over that, you're going to be paying a FUT on, which is different to if you're travelling for work and they're paying for your meals because that that's not entertainment and it's not um, living away from home allowance. But the, they are sort of defined as being short-term, you know, for a week or two or a month, but, you know, very short-term. You're not, you're not changing your job location. You're going to see a client, for instance. Yeah. When an employee travels overnight, and I assume it needs to be overnight, then all meals are exempt. You know, they just get a normal tax deduction and are not defined entertainment. Yes, but it will depend if you... If they if they stay in the hotel and they get room service, then that's going to be exempt. It's not going to be entertainment. But if they go out to dinner and have you know, a, you know, a bottle of wine and it's you know it has the character of entertainment, then it is going to be entertainment, even though they're traveling for business. So oh, really? you have to be a little bit careful. Yeah, this is why it's it's really complicated. There's there's actually a really good ruling on what entertainment is. Tr ninety seven slash seventeen. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, take your word for it because I don't have it off the top of my head. It's just that that ruling gets yeah, ninety-seven, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, that is it. That's the main one. Yeah, and it has like a little table in it, and it's kind, it's pretty helpful. But you still really need to understand that that section yourself. But it does, it you know, it gives you the ATO's point of view, so you can rely on it. But if you look in that, you'll see that it's not always going to be exempt if you're traveling for business purposes but oh, okay. it usually will be yeah uh, because i had this very nice simple rule in my head that said if traveling overnight then no entertainment yeah yeah i mean it's pretty it, unfortunately it's not as easy no but i mean you could probably make an argument that it wasn't it, it didn't have there wasn't much enjoyment had <laughs> yes um <laughs> But it's you know it has to be from an objective it point of view. It was a three hundred dollar bottle, but I hate it. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, the safest thing to do is not have any alcohol <laughs> if you're you know going out to dinner for traveling um, when you're traveling because then you'll be like alcohol is the one that trips you over. Yeah, as soon as alcohol's involved, it's like oh well maybe it is maybe it's not. So. Yeah, yeah, you obviously had a good yeah, time. Yeah, but you can. I know in that ruling it says if you order room service and you order a glass of wine, then it is not meal entertainment. Okay, okay so yeah. drinking alone in your hotel room is okay? That's, no, that, because that's <laughs> very sad. So. Doing it in company is, uh, yeah. is a no-no. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
And it's the same thing with like um, seminars and stuff. So if there's, you know, a party at the end of the seminar, if you pay extra for the party, then that's going to fall under entertainment. But if it's included in the seminar, then it, I'm pretty sure it may not be entertainment because it's part of the, the education component. So I think quite often you'll find when you buy, when you sign up for like um, education seminars that there might be a networking dinner provided as including as part of the cost of the and then that's yeah that's exempt. so that's um, mm. going to be exempt mm. but, but yeah it's not it really isn't straightforward and that's why there's so much material around it and why that ruling's very long uh, it has a lot yes. of examples in it but it's not you know there's always something yeah. everybody does things a bit differently So that's a really brief overview of meal entertainment. It is the most complicated area I find in the FBT. Of the most complicated yeah. tags. And Yeah, exactly. And it, depending on the type of employee you are, it changes things again. So if you're a not-for-profit, then you're in a headache as well. So I, I generally always advise getting professional help with that one. But in the meantime, keep as much detail as you can on your entertainment so you know what's going on. Welcome back. So this was an attempt to understand meal entertainment. I can't stop thinking that there has to be a way to make this part of FBT law less confusing. In the next episode, episode 23, Jenison Preston of Home Loan Experts will talk about mortgage brokering. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.